0: What do you think it is that God might be angry about today?
1: There's so many things, but one of the one of the big things I would think is how we have attached Jesus' name or God's name to things that are not of God. Mm. Uh, Whether that's like a conservative or progressive ideology, whether that's being Christian means being Republican or Democrat, whether that means being any other label that you throw on other than Jesus. Uh, I think that angers Jesus when our primary allegiance is to something other than him, and we take his name in vain, and we say that we're following him, but we're not following him.
0: Welcome to our second episode of the podcast. We are affectionately calling this one Angry Jesus, um, which mm-hmm. is fun. <laughs> um, I'm very excited to get to lead um, lead out on this topic, but my name is Carly Butler, for those of you who might not be familiar with me, and I'm the pastor of worship and mission at New City Church.
1: And my name is Trey Heyman. I'm the lead pastor at New City, and excited to have this conversation because As soon as Carly was like, we could call this angry Jesus. I was like, but also, yeah, it's an emotion that makes me real uncomfortable. Yes. Jesus
0: does get angry. So, um, let's hop right in. Right. All right. So I thought we would start out with a few questions just in general about anger. Bring them on. Okay. So number one, how would you define anger?
1: How would I define anger? I'm trying to remember what this book I read said so that I'm not using my own definition. Uh, but I would define anger as like this almost energy that wells up within you that lets you know that there's something that's not right or doesn't seem right to you. Mm-hmm. Often involves when you've been wronged or when you see someone else having been wronged. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it can be pretty variable based on each person what they think is wrong. Okay. But it it lets you know something is going on within you that something needs to be addressed.
0: I would agree. I know. As I was thinking over my own definition, I was like, I don't really know how to define this in words because for me, I experience it so much in my body Mm. that it's like the first words that came to my mind were like burning sensation, Um, just like tenseness, like my whole body tenses. Yeah. Where do you feel it in your body? I think mostly my upper body tenses, maybe. And then, like, I sort of get almost, like, a fogged feeling in my brain a little bit. Huh. Depending on what it is. If sure. it's, if it's like, anger on the road, like, road rage, then I, I think it's a little different than if, like, I'm in the moment and someone's making me angry right there. I sort of have an out-of-body experience where my body will react, but it takes me have to walk away and process it before i realize Mm. that i'm angry if that makes sense yeah that's fascinating yeah i'm really good at making the other person feel like they're not making me angry in that moment Mm. i get (laughs) that which isn't a great thing to be good at but sure it is something that i'm good at yeah what about you
1: yeah i think even just thinking about it i feel it up in here like back in my shoulders i also I, i feel like this surge of energy
2: Like, really,
1: really strong. Like, I could start speaking fast. I could, you know, punch a pillow. I could go. I hate running, but, like, I feel like I want to go run. Um, Yeah. Like, it's this very visceral, like, super strong surge of energy, which might be why I don't like it or it scares me. Uh, And for me, usually my anger implodes more than it ever explodes. Mm. So I also have to be mindful of that, too, because I'm so afraid of it ever exploding that I kind of just let it implode and then I try to process through it and all that kind of stuff but I'm it's I try very hard not to act out of anger which isn't always good either right um sometimes it's good but sometimes it's not sometimes I need to respond right angrily but yeah
0: that's probably a better word I think that's probably what I meant by burning sensation like the surge of energy mm-hmm. that just like pulses through your body all of a sudden yeah yeah heart racing, just kind of... it's, It's really hard for me to define because of that. Because I'm... It's all in here. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, the second question I have is, what is the difference between anger and rage?
1: Hmm. I don't know if this is right or not, but at least in my perception, what pops up when I think of rage is something more... Initially, I thought ongoing, but road rage isn't necessarily ongoing. Rage feels like it's really more of a problem with you. Like, rage to me feels more. I don't necessarily have a right or a righteous anger. I'm just like, not irritated, but. I don't know. I have a hard time, to be honest, defining yeah the difference uh but rage to me feels more like if anger can be righteous or done well rage to me feels like no that's just like you when you're really easily angered and irritated it's kind of the difference in my head that i have but i don't know if that's right
0: yeah i think i definitely think anger is more prone to being a healthy emotion and mm-hmm. rage i'm not sure is ever healthy i'm not sure. going to say it's never healthy just because I feel uncomfortable using that absolute language, <laughs> sure, but, yeah. um, yeah, I think rage is probably what anger turns into when it goes unchecked. Mm. So I'm thinking of, you know, if we don't process through our anger or honestly some driving fears, yeah, then mm. people who act out of rage, would be considered at the very least unhealthy probably Mm. also could tend to be an abuser or somebody who's you know yeah who's allowed that anger to go unchecked and and comes in a way that's like never a safe way to approach Mm.
1: someone So almost like if you have this threshold right of like here's this anger that i can to some extent like know what's going on process through what it is, when you operate out of rage, I'm hearing what you're saying and I think what I'm, what I think too, is when you start operating out of rage, it's like you've crossed over this threshold Mm -hmm. and you don't even know that the thing that you're raging about is not actually what is the problem within Mm -hmm. you that you actually needs addressing. So road rage, for example, if you get like super irritated and angry on the road, and obviously we all get irritated, frustrated, whatever, but like if you're like super livid, there's something else that's going on underneath and that's maybe what I'm hearing you saying is maybe that's when it starts crossing yeah into rage um and it's you say you're angry at something that actually ultimately is not really what you're angry at you're just very irritable Mm
0: -hmm. yeah you're in this super heightened state Hmm. where it's like you're not coming down off that energy you are just there Hmm. and and it's maybe a perpetual like driving force that's too much and would be almost impossible for the person receiving that to actually hear you about anything or to
1: want to hang out after
0: that yeah even want to receive that information um yeah i think Mm -hmm. that's probably good Mm -hmm. let me preface and say that we are not experts so these are just things that i i um am referencing a lot of what maybe chip dodd would say in his book voice of the heart not word for word but that's kind of where my concept mm-hmm. of these ideas would come from um but also that doesn't mean that they're exclusive or the only definition mm-hmm. so
1: yeah especially when it's something so bodily yes it can vary so much person to person
0: right i only know my experience with sure. anger um and receiving other people's anger, but I can't feel what they're feeling. Sure. Necessarily. So okay, so how would you define righteous anger?
1: I mean, honestly the only way I can define righteous is like with God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That God is right, he is holy. Whatever he does is right. I may disagree with some of the things that I see in scripture that he does or the way that he operates, but righteous anger would be anger that is really justified so for example if you see someone being harmed or hurt or not treated in accordance with like the way that God says people are meant to be treated and something burns within you uh, there's a part of that that is righteous anger I would say Uh, the hard part for us as humans is I think with any sort of emotion and really just anything in life it's not always so black and white of like what is righteous anger and what is not or what is, you know, righteous, whatever. Because, like, I may be angry with someone or something about what's going on, but also part of me, it's just in my own flesh, is pride of, like, oh, how could you do that? I would never do that, or whatever the thing is. But all that to say, righteous anger, I would have a hard time defining apart from how God gets angry.
0: Right. I think that statement you just used about... How could you do that? The second part of it is your flesh, right? Yes, yes, yes. Because I would never. So when you're, you're yes. kind of measuring it off of your own mm. self versus That's good. what is God's standard and how does he care for human life?
2: Mm.
0: Which obviously we're not perfect, so we will never perfectly be anger or perfectly have righteous anger. Mm. But I do think that righteous anger compels us towards compassion sure. or justice on, on someone else's behalf. It can also be on our own behalf. Mm. Um, and I think that's what we'll look more into how Jesus mm. is angry in the passage that we're going to look at and Mark and mm. how, why it would be considered righteous anger.
1: Yeah. Mm. Um, that's good. So like about a standard like this righteous standard that he has when it's not living in accordance. Whatever is not in accordance with him in his righteousness, his right way of being, living, the world operating, that yeah. anger that wells up. That's good.
0: Yeah. I definitely think so. Um, okay, so this is just kind of a question in general about, um, I don't know if right now is the best time to I- ask this so maybe we'll ask it again later but what do you think it is that God might be angry about today
1: there's so many things but one of the one of the big things I would think is how we have attached Jesus's name or God's name to things that are not of God mm whether that's like a conservative or progressive ideology whether that's being christian means being republican or democrat whether that's it means being any other label that you throw on other than jesus uh i I think that angers jesus when our primary allegiance is to something other than him and we take his name in vain and we say that we're following him but we're not following him Mm. Uh, we're following some other ideology other way of being you know, we say it's about Jesus, but really it's about individualism. We say it's about Jesus, but it's really consumerism and about what I get. If it's about what I get, it's not about God, it's about me. And so I think that's one of the things that he's angry about um, with that. I mean, you know, in uh, racism, sexism, uh, the way that we take care of other people, the way that we've individualized the gospel, uh, not that having individual meaning of it is bad, it's good, but that we have individualized it so much that we are afraid of what it means versus the social construct. Um, I think all of those things, <laughs> anger, um, God, yeah, because they don't lead to our flourishing.
0: Right? What yeah, did you say? I think bouncing off what you're saying, what it what I think is proclaimed in Scripture is that anything that we are putting in the place of God angers god right so Mm -hmm. i mean you see that consistently throughout Mm -hmm. scripture and we'll even look at passages today where that's true Mm -hmm. and so um any one thing on its own even if it could be considered good without the presence of god just isn't what it fully should be right Mm -hmm. and so um i think those things that you're talking about a lot of it has to do with me more than it does with God. And I think that's the human condition, right? Mm -hmm. Like making it all around me and, so, Mm -hmm. you know, my circumstances, my point of view, my worldview, my upbringing, my my skewed lenses Mm -hmm. is informing my view of something more than what God would say or kind of like this... This release of control of Mm. like, show me what to be passionate about. Show me how to use this Mm. for your will, not my own. Yeah. So I guess there's like, I guess what I'm saying is, yeah, anything we put in place of God, which is Mm. a lot of, a lot of things we can look at collectively as a nation. We can Mm. look at worldwide and we can look at on an individual level.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, and and I'll speak, just maybe to the current, not just current cultural moment that we're in, but I think also when pastors in particular, uh, but people in religious, Christian, sort of powerful positions misuse the name of God for their own selfish ambition, which to be honest is a temptation for everybody, and sometimes it happens without, often happens without you knowing. Uh, But when people, claim something is of God. Uh, when people in power misuse or misrepresent God through the way that they act, through abuse, through manipulation, through uh, whatever the thing is, I think that deeply angers God. Uh, because at that point, it's not just like this person's doing it as a human. They are, but they're representing His name to the world. Like, as Christians, we're told, we're the body of Christ. and So I, I when I think of God's righteous anger, I can't help but think of like, that demonstrated towards sin, but like also towards those who are proclaiming that they're following him. That angers God because that's not showcasing who he is. Um, And it's not treating people the way that he made them to be treated, worthy of dignity and respect and value and love because he made them in his image.
0: Right. And throughout all of scripture, we see his greatest command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Mm -hmm. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. And I know those are words that we say over and over again and can become maybe even trite or flippant, but what we, when we actually measure what that might look like versus how we actually operate or what we choose to do, mm. um, both of those things require a laying down of my own self mm. in a lot of ways. But if we don't know ourselves, then how do we even lay down those things? Sure. Yeah. So it takes an inward look at like, what is it that's actually going on inside of me? Where I, where my I, I be operating unhealthily mm. out of these emotions or maybe an impaired version of these emotions. And yeah. so that we can know like, you know what? I do have a tendency to go towards X, Y, or Z. For sure. And that might be what's actually informing right now me right now Hmm. instead of what God might have to say about this. thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's worth noting too that I know quite a few people would say that they don't really, they're not very emotional or they don't feel emotions. And and certainly I would say I'm probably a particularly, a person who has particularly heightened emotions and is prone to being more sensitive, but everybody has emotions. You were made to. Mm -hmm. The question is, whether or not you are aware of it. You can be acting out of anger that is very centered upon an idol in your heart and not even have an idea that you're acting out of anger. You can think you're totally right and justified and not even think you're acting emotionally. You can think you're acting rationally um, and you're not. And so if you're listening and you're like, man, I don't struggle with emotions or like dealing with emotions, I don't have those really, you do. Yeah. Therapy helps.
0: I don't know if this is right or not, but I'm going to say it. I feel like anger might be the most easily identified one in our culture, maybe, that we're feeling. Mm -hmm. I feel like that might be easier for us to say I'm angry sometimes than I'm sad or I'm Mm -hmm. afraid. And I don't know if that's true or not, but it feels like that has been my
1: experience. Did you see? Yeah, I mean, I can... I mean, thinking of the internet... Mm-hmm. Like in social media, it feels like, I think I've maybe said this before, but my working hypothesis about the internet is that a lot of it is like feelings surfacing up as thoughts and words and particularly anger, mm-hmm. which going back to what we said earlier is a mixed bag because there's value in it. And I often find myself like, oh yes, I totally agree with this, but also no, <laughs> like that's not all totally right. For me, I think because I'm more uncomfortable with anger, I'm more comfortable personally with like identifying sadness or grief, uh, at least is labeling it. Um, I mean, I guess I can't label my anger, but it's the one that makes me the most like uncomfortable. So,
0: And tell me if this is wrong, but it. I think you've done a lot of work also to identify those things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've paid a lot of money. So, would you have identified those things when you were younger, that you were sad?
1: Probably. I mean, I, I definitely would have known I was scared. I mean, with like how heightened of the level I had, that, as I think I mentioned in like the last episode we did, I think it would be hard not to, to like recognize that, okay, I'm pretty scared. Or right. I'm pretty sad. Um, I don't know that I necessarily like used... The words around emotions, but like I cried and was really scared. So yeah, yeah.
0: So it may just depend on everybody's experience. Yeah, um, and
1: mine were once again like I think my doctors would probably tell you like maybe more heightened than like your average individual, you know. So sure, it might make them a little harder to hide from.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true.
1: Although I have, but it didn't last long. Hmm.
0: Which, I, I mean, there's also, I think, a lot of ways that we hide from some of those if we do feel them really deeply. Like some other people might cope in a different way that makes it look like on the surface sure. they're not actually feeling things to that level. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's hard to know, like, if we all feel them to the same level or not. Obviously, we can't. We can only know our own experience. That's true. But, um, yeah, I would, I would say probably we... A lot of us feel them a lot deeper than we even acknowledge yeah. that we're feeling them. That's true. Now, you may be on the opposite. Not you, but the general you might be on the opposite end of that spectrum because I think a lot of people do have really deep feelings and they sit in those. It just sure. kind of depends on your worldview and how you approach life
1: mm-hmm. and, and what you've been taught. Different emotions also seem can seem more like your regular vices, and I don't, I don't, vices isn't the best word, but the regular things that you go towards, Mm -hmm. uh, for everybody, it can be somewhat different. Definitely.
0: All right, let's jump into the passage. So we're going to be in Mark 11, starting in verse 15 through 25 specifically, but we're going to kind of look through what's happening around that passage, Um, This can also be cross-referenced in Matthew 21, verses 12 through 17, because it's uh, the same story told from a different perspective. But they match pretty closely. There's just a few slight differences in how they choose to tell um, what's happening here. But we're going to look in Mark. So do you want to read for us that passage?
1: Yeah. Starting in verse 15. They came to Jerusalem. He went into the temple and began to throw out those buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves and would not permit anyone to carry goods through the temple. He was teaching them, It is written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it into a den of thieves. The chief priests and the scribes heard it and started looking for a way to kill him, for they were afraid of him because the whole crowd was astonished by his teaching. Whenever evening came, they would go out of the city.
0: Great. So that's 15 through 19, um, which is the primary passage we're going to be looking at. I think I misspoke and said through 25. But um, so he that we're talking about here is Jesus.
1: Yes. Angry Jesus.
0: Angry Jesus. So um, kind of right before this, if you look at the top of 11, you'll notice that this is kind of what we... Celebrate as Palm Sunday where Jesus is riding in on the young donkey or the colt, however you want to say that. And the people are praising and excited about him entering into what they think will be his kingship in the city Mm. of David. And so um, right after that, we get this weird little snippet that's like, Uh, starting in verse 12 it says on the following day when they came from bethany he was hungry and seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf he went to see if he could find anything on it when he came to it he found nothing but leaves for it was not the season for figs and he said to it may no one ever eat fruit from you again and his disciples heard it Mm -hmm. so he curses this fig tree and then the next thing we jump to is him entering the temple and kind of flipping over these tables. Yeah. So, obviously, this isn't just about a fig tree, correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Jesus doesn't, if you like Fig Newton, Jesus isn't like, ugh, what? you Fig Newton person.
0: I think we can end there. That's it. That's the message for today. Perfect. Um, No, so this fig tree slash tree imagery and this garden imagery and kind of later on, we're going to talk about a vine as well. What does all of that point to?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a huge depth uh, with all of these different references. And as we were reading again this time, one of my favorite things about scripture is that every time you read it, it seems like, or a lot of times you read it, you could have read it a hundred times, something new mm-hmm. pops out. And so the whole conversation even around Jesus' his triumphal entry, uh, he entered in a sort of sort of a kingly way, but in a very different sort of way, fulfilling some prophecies. Mm-hmm. And uh, him coming in on a donkey, when it would have been, which has been more peaceful, uh, with the anticipation of his kingship, perhaps have been being more like on a horse, being more uh, battle oriented Mm -hmm. what's fascinating to me is like reading this he comes in on a donkey and then the more like angry like warrior almost maybe not warrior but that type imagery gets demonstrated not towards those who were outside but those who theoretically would have been inside oh yeah and he's like flipping the tables on those who were proclaiming to be following Yahweh Um, and so this imagery ties back in Garden. I mean, you can tie that back in from Genesis chapter uh, one and two uh, with God making the world and I mean the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so you can kind of see this fig tree perhaps. I wonder if it represents that tree of knowledge of good and evil um, and kind of carrying on through. And then we see tree garden imagery pop up uh, again with like after Noah um, on the ark when he plants a garden up on a mountain. Um And then we see it pop up again throughout the Old Testament. Uh, Vine imagery also points back to Israel. Um, And so it's it's representing this, like, the Israelites, (laughs) like, the people of Israel. Not, like, the nation Israel, but, like, God's people, the Israel. Israel, they have failed to live up to this, like, Righteous standard that God has called them to do and they have forsaken what God has called them to do and What we see in the cleansing of the temple is that they have gone after um, Other gods sure they might not have like idols there, but they're worshiping and seeking after money Mm -hmm. Like it makes sense that they're selling things there to help people with offerings because people are traveling in But they're not doing it. It doesn't seem to help people. They're doing it to make a profit Mm -hmm. and so Yeah, that imagery carries through. Carries through um, the tree on the cross, God's wrath put out on the cross. Carries through even into the picture of like the new garden, new city, new Jerusalem, Um, and then other stuff that Jesus says too. It's there's a lot of depth. Yeah. In that one. Absolutely.
0: And if you can't tell, this is something we talk about at New City a lot. This garden imagery or this mountaintop imagery, which symbolizes both. Literally and figuratively, closeness with God yep. and Him inviting us in to who He is mm-hmm. and showing His true character, revealing Himself here to the Israelites and throughout the scriptures before this to the Israelites, and then charging them to take that and live out of it, right? Yeah, to live out of that truth. Mm-hmm. And so, consistently, what we've seen, especially, well, I was going to say, especially with this, but honestly, throughout all of that is how Israel has fallen short of that standard. Yes. And so here Jesus comes fulfilling his role as King Jesus. He's about to die on the cross and he curses this fig tree and he says, you know, uh, may no one ever eat fruit from you again.
2: Mm.
0: So even there you start to see this anger of, Israel is not producing fruit. Mm-hmm. God calls us to produce fruit.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's how he enters the temple.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so when you look at these these verses where he really comes in and flips the tables, literally, and then he says something here, he quotes scripture in my version it says is it not written my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations but you have made it a den of robbers so anytime we see scripture quoted in scripture we want to go back to where they're originally talking um so what he's quoting here is actually two different prophetic passages Mm. um so one is isaiah 56 7 so if we look back to that specific verse it says these I will bring to my holy mountain there's that mountain imagery again and make them joyful in my house of prayer their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house this is specifically what he's talking about For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples so here, God's already presenting his story.
1: Yeah. He's
0: mm. al- He's already prophesying what is what he will do mm. through the nation of is- Israel, who failed ultimately in that mis- mission, so then through Jesus, is to become the God of all peoples, the God of all nations, mm. and for his temper- temple to be a house of prayer. So... Mm. Here, if we go back to the passage we were in in Mark, the temple, rather than being a house of prayer, he mm. calls it a den of thieves, which that specific reference is in Jeremiah, verses uh, chapter 7, verse 11, which says, Has this house, which is called in my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, I myself have seen it declares the Lord.
1: Hmm.
0: So this problem, what does this passage tell us?
1: I mean, yeah, it says it says a lot. I think I think re- recognizing even that Jesus is quoting from the Old Testament makes a really important distinction that I think is a danger of a lot for a lot of people that uh, would call themselves followers of Jesus or Christians, which is to some extent just totally neglect toss out the old testament but jesus saw it as being authoritative enough to preach from and use so the problem was not them doing the things that the old testament said to do the problem was them not doing it Mm -hmm. and so the cursing of the fig tree is not just like jesus saying all right throw out everything that's in the old testament we learn later like he's elsewhere that he is the fulfillment of the law in the prophets and so i think just recognizing even that he quotes this like he's the fulfillment of what israel was meant to do what humankind was meant to do and to some extent like i mean humans could never we could never be perfect but here it's clear like they not only are not being perfect but they're doing something that is profane and saying it's of god and when i see jesus getting angry it's usually towards those religious people who have done that.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think also what this shows, I don't know the exact number of years that these prophecies would have come before Jesus actually being in the flesh. Sure. Um, but several hundred at the, sure. at the least. So what we can see here is that this is not new, that God has charged no. Israel to keep his temple
1: no, I mean, and even in uh, Leviticus, I enjoy talking about Leviticus, but Leviticus, there's a passage in there where, um, I think it's Aaron's sons, uh, both disregard, uh, God's instructions of how they're supposed to go about handling the, like entering into the certain place within the temple and doing all the right things. And we see God's wrath showcased there. Um, I say the temple, it would have been the tabernacle at that point, but, uh, we see that association really clear. And the temple imagery is really weird for us because for Christians, we, like in today's day and age, like we meet, our church meets at the community center right now. Uh, We met in office space before. Uh, This holy space imagery is kind of weird for most of us because we don't have that. But for the ancient Israelites, the temple was considered to be a place where God's presence particularly dwelt. And later on we see Jesus, uh, we see the scriptures telling us that uh, we are the temple, that our bodies are temples. Uh, but all that to say, like it's not just about like a physical place in and of itself that Jesus is angry about. This is a place that is particularly supposed to embody the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And so it has a particular, like, this has to be holy, different, set apart, righteous, good, and when people are coming in, degrading that they're not only sinning against themselves i mean you're always i guess when you sin, sinning against god but like it is profaning the name of god um and that so jesus has every right to be angry and flip over tables and call them out on what they're doing
0: yeah and i think you know if we go back to this mark passage and you know, you see the scribes and the and the um, leaders just sort of in... What's the right word? Not in awe. They are shocked that Jesus is coming in and doing this, and they are they are angered. Yeah. Um.
1: Yeah, which well, isn't that so true of us, right? Like, someone gets angry at us, and we get angry back. Mm-hmm. Even if they're right.
0: Yes. And I think a lot of times what we forget is that I, even though Jesus at this point has been doing his ministry for a while and he's proclaimed who he is, he is he is saying, I have the authority of God, therefore I can get angry at these things oh, in yeah. the temple. Yep. So that is like another layer to this. It's mm-hmm. not just some man is coming in here and saying like, you guys are doing this wrong. This is not what, scripture Mm -hmm. proclaims it's saying you're profaning my name as well Mm -hmm. Um, and so right after this you see the the fig tree come up again Mm -hmm. um and they say it says in verse 20 as they passed by in the morning they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots Mm -hmm. and peter remembered and said to him rabbi look the fig tree that you cursed has withered and Jesus answered him, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says this to the mountain, be taken up and thrown into the city or into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. There's a lot in all that. There's a whole lot in all of that. I think particularly that last statement where he is talking about forgiveness Mm -hmm. is really important to our topic today.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: So angry Jesus, we can assume... Well, our model for anger is to make sure that we have worked through the unforgiveness in our
1: hearts. Sure.
0: And I think that that's how we approach God in prayer mm. um, for movement of any kind, but also, you know, for those things we're passionate about. We, we're looking for justice on... Mm. Um, I think that's a, an important piece of that righteous anger mm.
1: we are talking about. I remember reading some from uh, Martin Luther King Jr. a while back and I can't remember the exact quote uh, but he was talking about that something to the extent of like the enemy of justice is not the perpetrator themselves it's the injustice. Mm. And um, I don't know I think that's helpful with this conversation too even when it comes to like dealing with uh, forgiveness or dealing with um, anger, being able to like be angry at the thing that someone is doing while also recognizing like they are deeply loved by God, they're made in God's image, which is very, very hard to do and to separate from that person. Um, and also realizing that when they are perpetuating some injustice or violence or whatever, they're, yes, are probably primarily doing it to someone else. They're also doing it to themselves. And someone else has probably done it to them. And so um, I don't totally know where I was going with that, but as you were talking, that came up into my mind um, that I think that's important and is helpful for me when I think about forgiveness and processing through anger. If I'm not careful, my anger can really, really uh, latch on to someone rather than on the thing. Um, and when it's just onto the person and it becomes the totality of who they are, they become a caricature in my brain that is not representative of the holistic being that they are, um, not representative of the hurts that they've dealt with. Um, and it actually ends up not being that productive because then I just want to express my anger in a way that just makes them feel bad and not in a way that is productive to seek out a better future. Right. Whether that's us being in friendship or not, I don't know, but like, it's not... If I'm just angry at the other person and as a whole being, I don't actually often lead towards something that's productive and helpful.
0: Yeah. Isn't that so human to want to cause the amount of pain someone else has caused us?
1: Yeah, or more. I'm competitive.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I win. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Part of the human condition.
1: Hmm. And I'm reminded of um, where is it? Somewhere in the Psalms that God, uh, the Scriptures talk about God removing our sins or transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about forgiveness, I also think about that—that um, that it is like so far removed from my identity that it's like as far as not just my east to west. I'm not good with cardinal directions, but like God's east to west, like universe, multiverse, whatever the thing is, like really, really far removed. And I think it's important with forgiveness too. Like some people say forgive and forget. And I don't know that you always can forgive and forget. Other people also say things like don't, uh, you know, go to bed angry. And I also don't know that that's like, there's a scripture I think that talks about don't let the sun go down on your anger and I think it's more about not stewing in it. Sometimes you need to deal with what you can before you go to bed and then go to bed and sleep helps a lot. (laughs) Like you wake up feeling better, more processed, you can talk about it. Um, But yeah, forgiveness doesn't also, just to be clear, if you're angry with someone or someone has hurt you or wronged you, forgiveness doesn't mean that you're best friends again or that you allow them into these safe places in your life anymore. That's not right. what it means.
0: Right. Unforgiveness, I think, a lot of times can hurt us a whole lot more than, mm. than if we're willing to forgive. And so, yes, I think what you're saying there is a very important point. That doesn't mean that you can just, this person's now a safe person. Forgiveness doesn't always mean reconciliation either. Sure, yeah. Uh, maybe it's just something that's happening in your own heart. Now, the hope would be that both parties can learn to come together again, but that's not always the case. And mm. so the only part that we really have a say over is what's going on
1: in our own hearts, in our own minds. Yeah, I think about this disagreement with, um, was it Peter and Paul that got in a disagreement? Um, and they, maybe it wasn't Peter and Paul, I can't remember, two people that got in a disagreement in, I think, Acts. And then they went... Separate ways. Oh,
0: it was Paul and Barnabas. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, and they went in separate ways. Sometimes that's just how it works. You deal with as much as you can, you forgive, but doesn't mean you have to be best friends. Mm-hmm. I think it would pertain to how you talk about them behind their back, that you're not slandering, but that doesn't mean that you're not honest about what happened to you either. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all that's like held in tension and where you have to like know your heart. Uh, Because um, we see things like, be angry, but do not sin. We also see things like James, uh, let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Uh, So we see these kind of tensions that are held. Mm -hmm. So like if your person is really quick to get angry, you probably need to do some internal work. Um, But if you never get angry, you also probably need to do some internal work and see if you're holding to a standard of righteousness. And Mm -hmm. so it's, yeah, it's it's difficult and I think even forgiveness we have to go back to like we are deserving of wrath and like death we're dead in our sins apart from Christ but he offers us forgiveness and so if we've been forgiven like we are meant to offer other people forgiveness Mm -hmm. because if he's holy and I'm not like surely people have wronged him way more than they could ever wrong me
0: yeah and I think the longer we leave um unforgiveness lingering in our hearts and kind of these this residual anger uh that will build and it will come out in some way usually if we're not dealing with it sideways or towards someone else who might not deserve the anger that we've been harboring right it'll be there will be a breaking point at some point and so thus we would inflict harm on someone else by not dealing with the anger we may have Mm. from someone else's harm to us, um, I think that's why it's just so important for all of us to be investigating our hearts and to be investigating what we might have from all the years we've lived on the earth um, that we're still carrying with us.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, anger... Can be a really good tool to indicate that there's something that needs to be paid attention to mm-hmm. within you.
0: And I think what we see here is in the passage again is Jesus being spurred to a place of passion mm. and to see things right again. Yeah. Hmm.
1: The- I think about this often. I was reading a book called God Has a Name by John Mark Comer, and he made a point when talking about like the wrath or anger of God that you don't want a God who doesn't get angry. We can disagree about what he gets angry about, and that's a fun conversation <laughs> to have, I guess. But like, realistically, you want a God who hates injustice who works actively against it. I mean, a common complaint, like, where is God when blank is happening in the world? The undergirding assumption is that we think God should and will, or at least should, step in and do something about it. In passages like this where we see God's anger portray, remind me that he does and has and will do things out of this place of wanting to see things made right.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times, whatever passion he's placed in your own heart is part of him doing something about Mm -hmm. the injustice that's there. And so if we're not aware of it or we're angry at other people, why aren't you as angry as me about this one thing? Because there are so many things to care about, right? There's so much brokenness. Yeah,
1: (laughs) so many things to get angry about.
0: God might actually be placing that particular thing on your heart for a reason. Come on, that's good maybe that's the justice you are called to.
1: Mm-hmm. And that it's like the body of Christ even, mm-hmm. that there will be different, and it's different spiritual gifts, perhaps different passions, mm-hmm. right? Like some people who have this extra burden about you name the issue and others who have one about a different one and they are not mutually exclusive, but actually if we come together, man, how much better would the world be Mm -hmm. if we collectively as the body of christ with this manifold passions all aimed at knowing jesus making him known seeing the world look like he wants it to look if we came together the world would be a whole lot better Mm -hmm. instead of just arguing about mine's more important than yours like okay yours is really important so is mine and so is theirs how can we support each other
0: Right, and i I almost wonder if that's a distraction technique of the enemy. If I'm so angry at you for not being angry about the same thing I'm angry about, then that's going to lead me towards inaction an mm. and distractedness and energy placed in something that keeps me from fully being focused on the real passion or the real injustice, which goes
1: back to that I mean Martin Luther King quote I mentioned earlier too, like if you just get so consumed with like being angry or fighting against this person who in your mind is the perpetuator of injustice, if that's someone who has an opposing view that you do or whatever then actually we end up, our anger that is meant to, and can be used as like leverage and good energy to propel you towards action actually ends up towards action that leads you in the opposite direction Hmm
0: we only have so much energy we can expend
1: what <laughs> yeah, for sure
0: some of us have more energy than others I, i'm not gonna lie but um it might also be season of life that you're in that yeah. you have more energy and you know you're able to expend that energy in different ways
2: mm.
0: but i think a lot of us all of us to an extent we waste that energy on other things
2: mm.
0: And that is why it is so important to know what's going on inside of us. And so I think that transitions us well. I wanted to ask a couple questions just to wrap up the section about the scripture we were looking at. Um, Are God and Jesus's anger different from each other?
1: Jesus is God, so no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think that's a common misconception. I mean, mean, our church is reading through the Old Testament and New Testament, but mainly Old Testament right now. So, I mean, you do see a lot of God's, like, wrath. But there's also a whole lot of God's, like, compassion and grace and kindness. Mm -hmm. And with Jesus, there's a ton of compassion and grace and kindness. But there also is, like, anger and things that we just brush aside. So, it's Jesus is God. Mm -hmm. So, yes.
0: Right. And I think that's what we we see when Jesus is referencing back to hebrew scriptures yeah um is this is a consistent god is consistent mm-hmm. his character is consistent the things that anger him are consistent yeah we know that throughout all of scripture mm-hmm. so we can and we see it pointed forward in a lot of the prophetic scriptures as well you know mm-hmm. what are the things that that God will one day come and fully reconcile.
2: Yeah.